You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. NSA revises its interpretation of Section 702 collection to the general approval of privacy advocates. WikiLeaks drops another alleged tool from Vault 7. The UK and France are on alert for influence operations, and the US Congress takes testimony on such marketing and battle dress. South and Southwest Asian governments move to block or censor social media. The Dark Overlord returns, extorting TV and movie content owners over stolen shows. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Monday, May 1st, 2017. Late Friday, the National Security Agency, NSA, announced changes in how it will henceforth collect information under Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, the law commonly known as FISA. The law had hitherto been interpreted to authorize collection of information that mentioned a specific foreign intelligence target. As NSA described the change in its Friday announcement, quote, NSA will no longer collect certain Internet communications that merely mention a foreign intelligence target. This information is referred to in the intelligence community as about communication in Section 702 Upstream Internet Surveillance. Instead, NSA will limit such collection to Internet communications that are sent directly to or from a foreign target, end quote. Instituted after an internal review of Section 702 collection that revealed lapses in compliance, the change is intended to, as NSA puts it, quote, reduce the chance that it would acquire communications of U.S. persons or others who are not in direct contact with a foreign intelligence target, end quote. Privacy advocates have generally welcomed the announcement. Among the groups commenting on the change are the Center for Democracy and Technology, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, the American Civil Liberties Union, and the Open Technology Institute. Most of them have gone on to say that this should make it easier for Congress to reform Section 702, which expires at the end of this year, in a privacy-friendly direction, or, failing that, at least make it less likely that legislators will authorize increased surveillance authority. WikiLeaks on Friday released another tranche of its Vault 7 leaks, these purporting to reveal a CIA document tracking tool. The tool is called Scribbles, and it appears to watermark documents in ways that would serve as a web beacon to determine whether a document had leaked, and if so, when it leaked, and what users were involved. Scribbles is thought to be effective with Microsoft Office documents. The CIA, of course, refuses to comment on this or any other Vault 7 dump, But observers note that the technology Scribbles uses is neither surprising nor novel, but rather a standard tool in data loss prevention efforts. Concerns over influence operations continue to royal governments on both sides of the Atlantic. The Sunday Times revealed that GCHQ has gone on high alert. That's a journalistic characterization, not necessarily an operational one. To prevent cyber attacks during the run-up to the UK's June 8th general election. France's presidential runoff is in its last week of campaigning as voters prepare to go to the polls on May 8th and 9th. The campaign of Emmanuel Macron has received the ministrations of Fancy Bear, Russia's GRU. And the U.S. Congress received testimony about the information operations last week. The RAND Corporation has published its testimony in the form of an overview of the current state of the art. In sum, that state indicates that marketing in battle dress now effectively targets group fears, desires, and insecurities. 
that barriers to entry have fallen deeply and that Russia maintains a lead in this form of conflict. Facebook has noted that its platform is susceptible to use by information operators, malicious actors as they call them. Various political leaders, prominently in the UK, excoriate Facebook and other social media providers for not doing enough to tackle hatred, although how they might do so without full-scale censorship remains unclear. Turkey's government, at least, has opted for full-scale censorship, blocking Wikipedia and censoring Twitter. And India's government is undertaking measures to ban social media in Kashmir, how successfully remains to be seen. Finally, the Verizon data breach report highlighted the growth of ransomware, but it's worth remembering that there are other kinds of online extortion, too. An example of blackmail unrelated to ransomware emerged over the weekend. The Dark Overlord, an online gang that's been responsible for similar shakedowns in the past, obtained copies of the show Orange is the New Black and demanded that Netflix pay them an unspecified but presumably large amount of blackmail. Failure to pay would be met with release of the stolen and as yet unaired episodes. Netflix did not pay, and the Dark Overlord followed through with its threat. Variety reports that content owners other than Netflix are affected. The Dark Overlord claims to also have episodes of The Catch, Celebrity Apprentice, NCIS Los Angeles, New Girl, Portlandia, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Breakthrough, The Arrangement, Bunked, and Bill Nye Saves the World. The incident appears to be another example of a third-party breach. The stolen episodes were apparently obtained by hacking a post-production company. We heard from security firm Prevalence Jeff Hill, who pointed out that this is a good example of the penetrate-once-compromise-many attack we see so often in third-party risk. Quote, Although cyber criminals have lately made this look easy, compromising a network without being detected takes time, patience, and expertise, not to mention a little luck. Being able to leverage a successful attack across multiple companies that the initial victim works for is exceptionally appealing to the bad guys. The military has a term for a similar effect, force multiplication. Hackers just call it their lucky day. End quote. The FBI is investigating, and the Bureau is said to have been closely questioning a person of interest in Texas. Good hunting to the feds. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. (laughs) 
The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Professor Avas Rashid. He heads up the Academic Center of Excellence in Cybersecurity Research at Lancaster University. Uh, Professor, welcome back. There are certain risks posed by having uh, data in the cloud. We wanted to talk about some of those risks today. A lot of organizations and individuals uh, are now using uh, using cloud services for their uh, day-to-day operations. Uh, and of course, in general, these services are highly secure and a lot of effort goes into securing these systems. Yet, we have to bear in mind that attackers also aim to exploit various architectural features of the cloud to try and uh, extract data from the cloud. There has been work in, in the research community that has uh, has demonstrated that, for example, malicious uh, virtual machines can be placed or co- made co-resident on the physical machine, and then uh, attacks can be launched, for example, against caches or, or the hypervisor itself to try and extract data from from uh, potential victim machines or or simply by for example looking at a side channel leakage in terms of uh, the kind of resources that that particular particular virtual machine may be using to try and gain understanding on particular types of issues like for example processing times it's worth bearing in mind that yes you know the cloud is secure for for a lot of purposes yet uh, attackers can use very sophisticated tactics to try and gain access, particularly if they have a a particular target in mind. During the transition to the cloud, you know, there was this whole notion that uh, many people would say, I like to have my server where I could see it. You know, I want to be able to, I heard someone say, I like to be able to reach out and hug my server to know where my data is. Uh, But what about the notion of, of being able to verify that when I say that I need this data deleted to know that in that remote location, it actually happened? It's a very interesting question, and and I'm not sure that there is an easy way to provide that guarantee. The the reason being that uh, there are a lot of features of the cloud that are designed to provide this ease of use with in terms of storing your data and and getting access access to it from anywhere anytime. But that, for example, on the fir- in the first instance, requires replication of data. Uh, there are, of course, backup features available within the cloud, automatic backup features. Uh, and, and for a lot of different purposes, cloud providers will, for honest reasons, handle your data in a lot of different ways. So when you're trying to delete that data, ultimately, if you want what you would call assured deletion, then you have to have some kind of a guarantee that all possible copies of the data have been destroyed. And and it is very, very difficult to do because, for example, if you delete your virtual machine from the cloud, the, uh, the space may not be reclaimed straight away. It will be reclaimed at a future allocation time. In many cases, there are delayed deletion requirements in place in a lot of terms, uh, terms and references. So, for example, when you delete your data from the cloud, it doesn't actually get deleted straight away in a lot of the cases uh, from services such as, such as Dropbox because if you've done it by mistake, you can actually go back and recover it. So there are recovery periods, uh, these kind of features in place. So all these features mean that as users, unless we have a very clear picture of what happens with our data, 
we we cannot be sure but also even if cloud providers wish to provide those guarantees it's really really difficult given the very nature of the cloud architecture to provide those guarantees all right professor avas rashid thanks for joining us Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.